Part One of Visits to the Dead in the Catacombs of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. Visits to the Dead in the Catacombs of Rome by George Washington Green. Part One la terre avait gémis sous le fer des tyrans elle cachait encore des martyrs expirants qui dans les noix des tours des grottes reculées dérobaient au bureau leurs têtes mutilées bernie poème de la religion vengée chapter eight a visit to the catacombs usually comes in as a part of the prescribed round of rites which fill up the traveller's ten days at rome you ride out to st sebastian a cistercian monk leads you through the church from chapel to chapel and altar to altar points out the spot where the holy relics are kept the head of st calixtus an arm of st andrew the oratory where the primitive popes gathered their little flocks around them to say mass over the tombs of st peter and st paul and the very chair in which they used to sit and where one of them st stephen received the crown of martyrdom it is an old story for him he has told it half a dozen times to-day before you came and now goes through it again with the self-same words and genuflections and in that monotonous showman's tone which would disgust you with the vatican itself then lighting a taper and giving you another for yourself he leads you down a narrow staircase through winding galleries chilly and damp which cross and interweave with each other in inextricable labyrinths and after going a few turns tells you that it is unsafe to go any further and that many a rash explorer venturing merely a step or two out of the common track has been led no one knew whither and was never heard of again you follow him back picking your way by the dim light of your taper asking yourself as you look into the darkness of the forbidden galleries if this is all pay your fee at the head of the stairway and drive home just in time for dinner and your torchlight excursion to the vatican next morning you talk the matter over at breakfast and come to the conclusion that the interest of the catacombs is after all merely a question of the imagination and you are right all of these things depend upon the imagination the pleasure of living at rome is in a great degree a pleasure of the imagination the Colosseum is merely a vast pile of stones for nine-tenths of the travellers who work themselves up into raptures over its crumbling arches i once went through the vatican by torchlight with a very respectable gentleman from wall street who entertained me all the way by a disquisition upon the probable cost of such a building in the united states if you wish to enter into the spirit of such scenes and enjoy them as they ought to be enjoyed you must not be in a hurry 
they belong to a part of our nature which is too far removed from the common questions of life to be merely the slave of the will the power of bringing ourselves into communion with those who have lived before us and for us was given to us as a means of refining and purifying the soul in order to strengthen ourselves for the sacrifices which we in our turn must make for those who are to come after us there is something in it which elevates and expands and the man who can thus enlarge his conception of his relations with the universe has brought himself nearer to that being for whom all events and all time are but a single perception calling forth the same feelings of compassion and love i had been to the catacombs myself just as everybody else does on a first visit to rome carrying away with me no definite impression and soon mingling them up in my memory with twenty other objects equally indistinct because they had all been run over in equal haste it is wonderful how soon sight-seeing may become a bore particularly with a regular cicerone i was glad when i was through with it and could enjoy myself in my own way at last st peter's day came the first that i had passed in rome the church was to be illuminated in the evening and there were to be fireworks at the castle of st angelo in the morning i went to see the procession and hear the pope say mass in st peter's it was in the last year of leo the twelfth and the last time if i remember right that he ever appeared in public even then he looked so faint and feeble as he knelt before the host that the contrast between his pallid features and the gorgeous pageantry around him reminded you of the corpse of st charles borromeo at milan glaring out livid and ghastly from under its robes of state still it was a magnificent spectacle friars monks priests bishops and cardinals moving round that vast square in solemn procession and slowly passing into the church amidst strains of thrilling music it is only at rome that such things are to be seen and when you have once seen them there everywhere else they look like childish imitations in the afternoon i strolled over to the capitol near the foot of the hill on the side toward the forum and nearly opposite to the remains of the temple of concord there is a little church consecrated to st joseph and st peter i had passed it a hundred times but somehow or other had never been in it before but that afternoon there was a crowd about it and a constant moving in and out as if there were something more than usual to be seen i joined the ingoers and in a few moments found myself in the midst of a throng of men and women chiefly peasants and people of the lower classes who were kneeling before the altar i was decidedly out of place and was upon the point of stealing quietly out again when i saw some of them rise and crossing themselves go down a stairway at the side i followed them a few steps brought us into a square chapel with an altar richly decked and illuminated with immense wax tapers here too there were other worshippers praying 
and some on the outside looking through a doorway that led directly into the forum i now remembered that there were two churches here and that this was st peter's built as tradition said directly over the prison where st peter and paul had been confined just before their martyrdom i was now determined to see it all through the open door i could see the first shadows of the evening sinking gently upon the forum the music from the chapel above came down upon me in mellow strains mingling with the whispered prayer of the suppliants at the altar there was devotion in the atmosphere i had merely come out for a quiet evening walk and now found myself yielding for the first time to the christian associations of rome another flight of steps brought me to the first prison a square room built of large blocks of tufa vaulted cold and grave-like as a roman prison should be on one side were the remains of a doorway that led to the steps of groans where the bodies of criminals used to be thrown after execution in the middle of the floor was an opening just large enough for a body to pass through it through this prisoners were lowered down to the executioner who stood ready to seize and strangle them in the dungeon beneath i shuddered as i looked down into the darkness modern piety has cut through the floor and made a narrow stairway to the lower prison it is but a few steps and you stand in the chamber of death a low vaulted room square and of the same massive blocks of tufa with the prison above but smaller colder and with darkness and the silence of the grave on its walls it was built by servius talius and is often mentioned in the annals of rome here jugurtha was thrown the fiery monarch knew his victors too well to hope for mercy how cold are thy baths apollo he was heard to exclaim as the chill air of the dungeon struck upon his frame still glowing with the fiery sun of africa and he was left in darkness and alone to the slow torture of starvation others followed but who or why we know not till one day the consul cicero himself brought a band of criminals to the prison door the executioner descended into the lower prison all ready for his fatal office and one by one roman nobles men of ancient descent and illustrious names but whose dark minds had nourished horrid hopes of devastation and slaughter were lowered through that narrow opening did they shrink from the deadly grasp and writhe and struggle against their fate or did they yield themselves calmly up and die with roman fortitude it is hard to die in open day with earth and heaven smiling around you and life looking freshly upon you from hundreds of human eyes but how easy must even that seem when compared with the silence and solitude of a death like this and after many years the gloomy door was opened for two other prisoners who were lowered through this same narrow opening not indeed to die but to wait for death when the jailer had performed his task and turned to go away 
he heard their voices mingling in tones unlike any that he had ever heard from that place till then threats and execrations he had been used to but there was something in the tender and earnest fervor of these men which moved him strangely at noon he returned with food and was thanked for this simple performance of a daily duty at evening the same voices were heard first in the sweet notes of a hymn of praise and then in the fervent outpourings of an imprisoned christian's prayer through the night he could hear them still the strain lingered in his ears stealing into his soul with a calm and soothing freshness and awakening thoughts and hopes that he had never known before at last he descended into the dungeon for an irresistible impulse seemed to draw him toward these strange beings who could speak and sing so cheerfully in a place that filled every other soul with horror and when they saw him they made haste to meet him greeting him with the christian's salutation peace be with you the lord has chosen you to be a witness with us of the marvels of his grace hasten then and bring your fellow-keeper that we may expound to you the doctrines of salvation and when the two were seated together at the apostles feet they were told how christ had come to redeem the world and build up a kingdom more glorious than rome or babylon and as they listened their eyes were opened and they believed and prayed that they might be baptized then peter touched the floor with his right hand and behold a fountain rose up from the rock filling the dungeon with the light and music of its waters and they knelt down and were baptized there and when the day came in which their teachers were to die they too acknowledged that they were christians and received like them the crown of martyrdom that fountain is still there its waters welling forth as pure and limpid as if no taint of earth had ever mingled with their current their birthplace in the dark recesses of the hill is not darker than the spot in which they came out on their errand of mercy the sun and moon have never shone upon them they have never reflected the soft light of the stars or felt the breath of the airs of heaven rising and flowing in mystery they still keep their course unchanged ever filling their fountain without overflowing it and passing away again to depths as mysterious as those from whence they came as i turned to go away the light of my taper fell upon an opening in the wall which in any other place i should have taken for a window but what had a window to do there it was closed tight too by a board secured by a bolt neither of which appeared by the mould and rust that had gathered upon them to have been touched for many years it was evidently no part of the original prison where does this lead i asked the priest who had accompanied me to the catacombs to the catacombs from the very heart of the city yes they are around and beneath you everywhere and no one knows where they begin or end i would have given anything to have drawn back that bolt and looked down into the darkness who could tell what awful secrets lay hidden there 
what forms had mingled with that damp and polluted soil what groans and supplications had been poured forth unheeded in that rayless atmosphere what unrecorded heroism had bowed there serenely to the fatal decree and met death with the calm smile of submissive hope i never walked the streets of rome again without feeling that with every footfall i was awakening an echo in the caverns of death still many years passed before i returned to the catacombs i could not forget the old cistercian monk with his taper and his monotonous sing-song whenever the wish to see them came over me i would go back to the mamertine prison and look in imagination through that bolted window at last a learned archaeologist of the order of jesuits was directed by government to make accurate researches in the catacombs of st agnes he set himself to his task with all the patience of an antiquary pushing his researches cautiously from passage to passage and carefully studying every object that he met the chapels were cleaned the corridors freed from the dirt that had blocked them up many of the tombs opened the inscriptions deciphered and copied and to give a more lasting character to his studies the pontifical corps of engineers was employed for months in tracing out accurate plans of this subterranean labyrinth day after day and month after month he spent in his task with an enthusiasm that never flagged and a patience that never grew weary in the minutest details i have often met him at nightfall on his way back to the city with a triumphant glow upon his face and the quick tread of a man who feels that the day has left a lasting record behind it it was some time before i could prevail upon him to let me go with him he seemed to feel an instinctive aversion to opening the doors of this sanctuary to a heretic and always found the way of putting me off for the moment with some plausible excuse without actually refusing me at last by the intercession of a common friend he was prevailed upon to name a day and allow me to take a small party with me we were five in all the padre two romans cole and myself it was a beautiful morning in february a roman february with its cloudless sky and balmy atmosphere as we rode along toward porta pia we could not but pause a moment in our conversation to look over into the vineyard where vestals who had broken their vow were buried still living in a narrow cell underground to die there when their loaf was eaten and their crews exhausted their grave may have become a part of the catacombs and the bones that had lain for centuries unwept been covered by christian hands passing through the gate we left the praetorian camp on our right how often had the fierce soldiery set forth from their stronghold to search for victims in the very spot that we were about to visit as a shrine our road led us for a couple of miles between villas and vineyards the grass was already green the almond buds were swelling with the blossoms of the new year 
men and women were singing merrily at their work, and everything looked as bright and full of life as if war and famine and pestilence and all the scourges of humanity had never descended upon this lovely spot. But as soon as you pass the villas, you leave every trace of cultivation behind you. The ground sinks down to the bed of the Arno, to rise again into precipitous banks, and spread onward to the foot of the mountains, with that undulating surface, that death-like silence, and that intermingling of ruined aqueducts, temples, and tombs, which give the Campagna, in despite of its luxurious vegetation, the aspect of solitude and desolation. The entrance to the catacombs was in a vineyard on the left. A small hut had been built over it, and before we entered we paused a moment to look on the mountains. There was Soracte far to the north. There were the Sabine Mountains, girding the horizon with their stern and craggy wall. There were Tiber and Praeneste. There, too, were the Alban Hills, with their silent volcanoes and soft outline. There was Rome, with its grey walls and towers, and around us, on every side, the solemn expanse of the Campagna. The sun shone brightly on them all, as it had shone upon them still through all their changes, and the sky seemed to lay its hand gently upon the mountain-tops with a touch of love. We gazed for a few moments in silence, and then turned to descend into the city of the dead. The steps were the old ones, with a few repairs. Each of us had a lighted taper in his hand, and Padre M. was so familiar with the path that we had no fear of losing ourselves. A short descent brought us into a vaulted corridor, about six feet wide and eight or nine high. It was cut out in the bed of tufa, which extends in every direction around Rome, and in many places the marks of the pick and spade could still be distinctly traced on the walls. As we advanced, we found that it varied in width and height, sometimes rising to twelve feet or more, and then again shrinking to five. Here and there you could see that the arch had given way, and masses of earth fallen into the passage. On each side were tiers of shells rising one above the other, like the berths in a steamboat. Some of them were carefully closed up with plaster, with occasionally an olive branch or a dove or some other symbol upon them, as distinct as when they were first traced there by hands that mouldered hundreds of years ago. Many of them had been broken open, and the bones removed for relics. In others we saw the skeleton lying just as it had been placed after death, with a few handfuls of dust gathered closely around it, dust that had once clothed it with loveliness or with strength. Here and there a small opening had been made into the funereal cell, and by thrusting in a torch it would light up for you with a ghastly glare that fell fearfully upon the fleshless bones. It was indeed a solemn sight, like standing face to face with death itself, stripped of all his concealments, no sculptured monument to admire, 
No green mound to remind you, by its springing grass and fragrant flowers, that the manifold forms of life are full of sweet and soothing exhortations even on the border of the grave but a narrow cell in the cold damp earth and for the decent limbs that the hand of reverence or affection had composed there with pious care a skeleton grim repulsive and fearfully distinct while our companions were busy with the inscriptions and symbols cole and myself lingered about these open and half-open sepulchres for us whose home was in a land unknown when these skeletons were living beings there was a peculiar feeling about them which we knew not how to analyze they were like voices from some unknown land such as may sometimes reach the ear of the mariner on a midnight sea with revelations full of mysterious warning we could not but ask ourselves whose hand had laid these bodies in their silent cells whose tears a father's mother's sisters or friends had bathed them before they shrunk into the shapeless dust and grinning skeleton once i put my hand in and touched the hand of the skeleton and it sent a thrill through my veins it was some time before we could command our feelings enough to observe the other objects that were becoming more and more interesting with every step in a short time we came to another descent leading to a second corridor eight or ten feet below the first here too the sides were lined with funereal cells from which the dead grinned horribly upon us as we passed the arch was cut out in the same way as in that above and you could still see by the marks on it what kind of tools it had been made with below this was still another line of passages making three stories in all but one of them the widest and highest had no tombs in it and had evidently been cut out for the tufa and putzolana above padre m stopped as we reached the lower corridor you see now said he the history of the catacombs it is written on the walls plainer and more impressively than i can tell it in the vast edifices which were built for the pride or wants of old rome extensive materials were required they brought stone from albano and tivoli marble and ornaments from every part of their dominions but pazolana the most important ingredient in that admirable cement which has stood the changes of more than two thousand years was found at home in their vineyards under their streets everywhere around them they dug it out just as you see them dig it now in the campagna and if you will take the trouble to compare the modern quarries with the old ones you will find them running into the hillside in arches and winding galleries just like those we are standing in the only difference is in the extent this was the origin of the catacombs and you have only to remember how early they began and how many thousands of private and public edifices were built from them during the thousand years of rome's infancy youth and manhood to see how naturally they would spread their network in every direction as one was exhausted or carried too far to be used readily another would be opened 
and then again as the new ones began to fail, or the demand for puzzolana was raised by any sudden emergency, the old ones would be opened and worked again, till, in the course of time, half the city was undermined, and the very material that was to be used in building the walls and temples and palaces that we still admire in their ruins were drawn from under the very spots on which they were to stand and stern lesson to human pride the humble quarry remains unchanged while the pompous structures it helped to furnish forth have long since crumbled away so much for the beginning of the catacombs let us go a little further before we take up the second epoch in their history by this time we were somewhat familiarized with this new aspect of death and could walk between the graves without shuddering still we had no disposition to converse but asked our questions in a whisper or pointed with a mute gesture to the objects we wished to call attention to even the whisper seemed to have a strange sound and our footsteps as we passed slowly and cautiously along awoke from time to time a hollow reverberation amidst the arches that filled them for a moment and growing fainter and fainter gradually died away in recesses far beyond the light of our tapers at first we had been so absorbed by the solemn aspect of everything around us that we had scarcely observed the new galleries that branched off in every direction from that which we were following every few steps there was a new opening with the same style of vaulted ceiling the same countless rows of skeletons each in his narrow cell and connected in the same way with other passages that ran out in the same inextricable labyrinths here and there too there was a passage that had been blocked up either by design or by the casual falling in of the earth i stopped from time to time to look in at the open ones and once ventured a few steps forward to the opening of a third branch it was easy to see how one might lose himself in them and easy too to conceive what a horrid thing it must be to wander about without clue or light in that awful darkness and sit down at last to die in the midst of the dead as i held up my taper the light fell faintly for a few feet upon the arches and graves giving a deeper and livid hue to the darkness beyond i hurried back to my companions glad enough to reach the gallery in time to see their tapers like dim stars and catch the sound of their footsteps my companions two of whom were zealous antiquarians were immediately engaged in deciphering inscriptions and interpreting symbols but it was some time before cole and myself could bring our thoughts into a fit state for a calm examination of anything we could only feel that we were among the dead of nearly two thousand years ago that the bones around us had once been the earthly tenement of men who had borne the religion in which we believed through the fierce persecutions of paganism some of them perhaps had seen christ himself many of them had received their baptism from the hands of the apostles and 
above far above the dark arches that covered us and them the vineyards and green fields were still smiling in the sweet sunlight and balmy air at last though without losing this pervading consciousness of the hallowed influences around us we began to take our part in the peculiar archaeological characteristics of the place End of part one